I really enjoyed my time in the, in the Word this week, and uh, I, I'm excited about Acts 16, and I wasn't sure where, uh, where I wanted to divide the passage and how I wanted to preach the passage, uh, but the more I read through the chapter, the more I just came back to these verses, and I think that there's something here for us uh, that is not so much a poke for us, but more of a massage. Uh, I think God just really wants to kind of uh, encourage us today about his involvement in our life. And so we are back in Acts uh, to continue our study here in this book. We were away for a few weeks, our Easter series. And then last week, I thought Andre's sermon uh, about the post-resurrection encounter, uh, Jesus' post-resurrection encounter with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, certainly fit well with that Easter series. But today we find ourselves in Acts 16, at the beginning of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. And once again, he and his companions are venturing into new territory. In fact, something significant takes place in this chapter that uh, will affect the entire world for generations to come in that the gospel of Jesus Christ will reach Europe for the first time. In this chapter, and once it takes root there, Europe will become the Christian center for nearly 2,000 years. Uh, church history has revealed that up until recently, uh, Europe served as the main staging ground by which the gospel extended into uh, nearly every nation and people group around the world. And so, when we read about these things in Acts 16, uh, I just encourage us to not miss the significance, the monumental, uh, just how monumental these, these relatively brief synopses are and how applicable they are to our lives today. But, but as I said, uh, as I read through this and as excited as I am to get to verse 11 to follow the footsteps of the first missionaries into the Western world, I just couldn't get past verses 6 through 10. Uh, with ver uh, verses 6 through 10 basically serve as context for what follows. And, and I believe, and I trust you do as well, that, that because the journey is as important as the destination, uh, I sincerely think that God has something for us here in these verses something that I don't want to pass over too quickly. It has to do with the way God leads us. How he directs our steps. Uh, it, it relates to discerning God's will. Uh, it involves the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think the point here is that navigating the course of our lives, navigating the road ahead of us, navigating the course of our lives requires receptivity to the Holy Spirit's guidance, even when his answer is no. So I want to read this together, Acts chapter 16, 
verses 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mycenae, they, came, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is God's word for us today. We want to ask his blessing in our time. God, we want to thank you first. Thank you for bringing us to this place this morning. Um, We're thankful for the new additions Uh, for Molly and Lauren, for the French family and the Gayton family. Thank you for your blessings uh, just in abundance poured out upon upon them and, and by extension upon us and so rejoice with them. And now as we come into this service and we've we've worshiped you through song, we've worshiped you in prayer, we've worshiped you in thought, we've worshiped you with our Uh, with the giving of our offerings. We come now wanting to worship you by sitting at your feet, as it it were, to hear from your heart. And so minister your word to us today. Give us hearts that are ready to receive what you have, what you intend for us today. And I just trust that there are things going on in our lives in the lives of the individuals right here in this room uh, that you want to speak to today. And I ask that this time would be useful to that end. So we look to you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now before we dive into the thick of this, uh, it may be helpful to remember how this particular mission's journey uh, began. Initially, The plan was to visit the churches that Paul and Barnabas planted together on their first journey uh, through the province of Galatia. When Paul uh, first posed the idea of a second trip, remember, he said to Barnabas at the end of chapter 15, he said, hey, let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city where we proclaim the word of God and just see how they are. How are they doing? How can we help them? And although Silas would end up accompanying Paul instead of Barnabas, the mission, as it had been initially proposed, had already been fulfilled. Uh, We saw that in verses uh, 1 through 5. Paul and Silas did indeed visit the churches in Derby and Lystra and Iconium. They checked in on them. They made them aware of the recent decisions from the Jerusalem Council. Uh, they encouraged and strengthened the believers in those churches, and those local fellowships uh, continued to grow by the grace of God. By having completed that phase of the mission, 
it, it now becomes very evident that Paul and Barnabas, uh, I'm sorry, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas then sought to extend the reach of the gospel into new places. Uh, maybe it's helpful to think of it like a two-stage rocket launching. You've all seen those pictures or video of a rocket being launched. Uh, the first stage is the booster, and the booster's job is to uh, get the rocket off the ground and headed in the right direction. And then the booster drops off, right? The booster drops off into the sea while the second stage of the launch is ignited and it propels the rocket further into space. In a sense, I think that's kind of what's happening here. Like boosters, the first stage of this missionary journey took Paul and his companions back to the churches that had been planted earlier, and now the second stage is igniting and propelling them further west. God has been directing them from the start, of course, but the way by which he guides them in this second stage is very interesting to me and very applicable to our lives. You know, one of the great benefits of faith in Christ is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, who leads us, the Spirit does, in, in the ways of God. And what becomes very clear right away in this text is the prominence of the Holy Spirit's influence. So I, I've asked the question, how then does the Spirit guide our lives? We're, we're already working off of the uh, presupposition that the Spirit guides our lives. The question now is how? How does He guide our lives? And according to verses 6 through 10, He does so in three ways. By closing doors, by presenting new opportunities, and by confirming God's will for us, through the counsel and collaboration of others. And I want to consider these three things with you this morning. First, we see the Holy Spirit closing certain doors. The missionaries are heading in a westward direction toward the province of Asia. Uh, by the way, this isn't Asia, uh, this isn't the continent of Asia that we think of today. It's the ancient westernmost Roman province of Asian Minor, or what we know today as Turkey. And as they pass through the regions of Phrygia and Galatia, verse 6, notice they are forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's interesting. Apparently, as surprising as it seems, apparently there are times when God would prefer that we not speak of Jesus. Which means it's very, very important that in our sharing efforts, we are 
aligned with God's agenda and not our own. There's no other way to read this statement. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. We know, of course, that he was already working in the hearts of the people in that region at that time because God is always working. God is always working his redemptive plan. But for whatever reason, they were not allowed to participate in Asia at that time. So they turn north and attempt to enter the province of Bithynia instead. But according to verse seven, again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, if there was ever a time when we'd love more detail, this, is, this is certainly qualifies. In verse 6, they are forbidden to speak of Jesus in Asia, while in verse 7, the Holy Spirit won't even allow them to enter Bithynia. Exactly how they came to these conclusions, we don't know. We don't know the circumstances they encountered along the way. We don't know what the Spirit of God said to them exactly, how he communicated these things. All we know is that all three of them, Paul and Silas and and young Timothy, all three of them were somehow convinced that God had clearly closed these doors. Hear this, church. Sometimes God says no to good things. Have you ever launched out with good intentions only to meet one roadblock after another? Maybe even as you sit here today, you have certain goals in life or goals for your family that you believe to be godly ambitions. Maybe you're convinced that not only are they godly ambitions, but God himself place these desires in you and is directing you to act upon them and you may be right. They may be godly ambitions. They may have originated from God and yet for reasons you do not understand, every time you try to move in that direction, each step is met with resistance and no apparent progress. Uh, Maybe you feel stuck this morning Uh, caught between where you once were and where you have yet to be. And you're wondering what in the world is going on. Examples of closed doors, just a few examples. Maybe things like job losses or advancement opportunities that don't come our way a dating relationship that appeared promising but ends in breakup. You make an offer on a house and another buyer gets the deal. Flight delays, canceled appointments, church board discussions that can't find common ground, health issues that crop up and force us to slow down and to take note of our lives and the people in our lives. And of course, the list goes on. Could it be 
that the Spirit of God is closing certain doors in your life right now in order to narrow your focus and lead you down a more particular path. That's what's happening here. Now, eventually, within a few years, Paul would take the message of Jesus into Asia. He'd spend extended time in Ephesus, for example. Timothy would actually stay in Ephesus to pastor the church in that city. Eventually, Peter, the apostle Peter, would minister to the churches in Bithynia. And so the message of Jesus reached the people in that region as well. But, but none of these Individuals, None of these three could have known that at this time. All they knew is that after setting out with the best intentions of ministering to others in the name of Jesus, not once but twice, God prevented them from doing so. When it comes to discerning God's will in a particular situation, I think sometimes we have to learn what it isn't in order to learn what it is. So, verse 8. Passing by Mycenae, they, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. I want us to look at a map here. I think it'll be helpful for us. I'm trying to use this pointer. Okay, sorry for those of you on this side. I'll come back to you. Um, so here's where they began, right? They began here in Antioch. This is chapter 15. Then they moved over here. They visited these cities of Galatia. Those are the previous churches, Derby, Lystra, Iconium. They try moving over into Asia. The Spirit says no. So they pass through Phrygia, and they move up here north. They try entering Bithynia. Uh, God says, no, not there either. Now, at this point, they have a choice to make, right? So here we are. They visited these cities. They tried to go up here. God said, no. They try going up here into Bithynia. God says, no. And so right now they're at this stage and they have a choice to make. Either we turn around and go back or we keep going and trust God is going to lead the way. And though they don't know where they're going exactly or even why they're going or why they're meeting closed doors at every turn, I want us to see that they kept moving forward. They kept moving forward, westward, taking this path all the way here, finally ending in the port city of Troas on the Aegean Sea. They, neither, they allowed neither the uncertainty nor the closed doors along the way to deter them. They knew God had sent them out, and though things had taken some unexpected turns, they kept going. And I just find that interesting and so very instructive. You know, there have been times in my life when God was pleased to show me 
the, the whole path at once. Um, the bigger picture for a given situation. You know what I mean? Like if you picture yourself standing at the trailhead and, and there are times where you can look down the path and you have a view of what's coming. It's like the time, uh, like when I knew from our very first date that I was going to marry my wife. I knew it deep in my knower and because I knew it so well, I thought she should know it too. And so I told her on our second date. <laughs> and I quickly learned that she didn't know it the way I did. Uh, and she wasn't interested in knowing it the way I did. And so the lesson here uh, is never, ever, under no circumstance, tell any woman uh, on your first or second date or any date remotely close to single digits for that matter, Never, ever tell any woman that God told you that she was to be your wife. That did not go well for me. And I must add, though, even though I was right, the ends did not justify the means. That notwithstanding, sometimes we are given, I have been given, you have been given, insight into a particular situation that allows us to peer down the road a ways and see more of the future, uh, the fuller picture. To this day, I'm amazed. I'm amazed when I meet people. I'm fascinated by these individuals who seem to have their entire futures planned out in great detail. You know what I'm talking about? Like they have taken great steps. They know the plan. They've, they've made the plan. They've known the plan. They're working the plan. And every detail is part of the plan. And, uh, and hey, if that's you, I mean, if that is from God, and if that's you, then I applaud you. Like more power to you. If God has given you such tremendous insight where you know the plan so well, more power to you. Praise God for that. But for me, more times than not, when it comes to following God's guidance, my experience has been one step at a time. I'd love to see the whole picture and gaze further down the road knowing what's coming next and when, but usually, almost always, to be honest with you, almost always in my life, it's usually God saying, hey, I want you to take this step first and then I'll show you the next one. That's where faith has come in and where my faith has been developed over time, not in knowing every detail. It's not in knowing every detail that God has planned for my life or my family, or my church, or my uh, schooling, but in discovering God's plan one step at a time, as it unfolds step by step. Because I think, after all, isn't that what following Christ, or what, what trusting Jesus is all about? You see, when we can't see where God is leading, the answer isn't to stop following 
So the guys keep going until they reach the shores of the Aegean in the city of Troas. And at this point, they are now almost 500 miles from the city of Iconium, which when they left Iconium, I'm sure they never imagined being here. This was never in the plan, but once in Troas, Paul has a vision. He sees a Macedonian man standing and urging his help, saying, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul relays the vision to the others, immediately they respond. I just love how you can see their faith in this passage. You can see their faith being stretched in this passage. You see how they act in faith along the way. They still expected God to guide them. They believed God would guide them. They knew he had closed the earlier doors. And now they knew why. It's because he had opened a new door. Presented a new opportunity. They didn't know where God was leading uh, then but now they did. For them, I I imagine it was like a a light bulb from heaven, one of those aha moments. And they knew without a doubt that God was calling them to cross the Aegean Sea so that for the first time ever, the gospel of Jesus Christ could penetrate the Western world. Which brings us to a third way the Holy Spirit guides our lives. As it's seen here in this passage. It's through the counsel and collaboration of others. Look with me again at verse 10. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And there is in this verse, there's a small but significant change to the pronouns that makes a huge difference to its interpretation. Uh, It's in the word we. To this point, Luke has been using the pronoun they in reference to Paul and Silas and Timothy, but beginning in verse 10, he switches to the pronoun we which means at least two things. First, it means that Luke joined the group at this time. Now follow with me here. I I, I just find this fascinating. Apparently Luke was already in Troas and somehow came to meet Paul and the others, which is probably another reason why God led them to Troas specifically to meet Luke, because Luke is the one who would eventually write and record all of these things. He eventually wrote the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and in many ways he served as as the Apostle Paul's biographer. But how could they have possibly imagined that when God closed those doors in Asia and in Bithynia, it was because they were to meet a man in Troas who'd accompany them and eventually uh, research and record the beginnings of the early church and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the known world in those early decades. How could they have known that? It's amazing. And so when Scripture says to us that God's ways and thoughts are higher and greater than ours, we better believe it. 
God is moving, obviously, He's moving behind the scenes uh, in ways that we cannot even possibly imagine. That he would say no to Asia, not now. He'd say no to Bithynia, not now. Just so that he could bring them down to Troas to meet Luke. Because after all, Luke is the one who's going to write about all this stuff. But the word we, this word we highlights another important truth. When Paul relayed the vision of the man calling for help, immediately they all knew it to be from the Lord, including Luke. And so I just imagine the original three are sharing their story of the travel thus far, how they set out to preach the gospel, but the Spirit kept closing doors along the way. And then they talked about how, yeah, we, we kept going. We just kept following. We kept heading west. We weren't sure where we're going. We weren't sure why these doors were being closed, but we just kept going. We just anticipated that God's going to lead us. He's going to direct us. And now it's become clear to everyone involved. And what I take from this is that the Apostle Paul didn't make this decision unilaterally. The decision to move on into Macedonia. Instead, after hearing about Paul's vision, notice the entire group affirmed it as God's call. Now, Paul may have been the leader of the group, and since the vision came to him directly, certainly I'd imagine he was feeling a very obvious tug toward Macedonia, but, but it's instructive to me that it seems he didn't act upon it until the others also affirmed it as being from God. You see that? You see, confirmation of God's will comes when the internal witness of the Holy Spirit meets the external affirmation of others. When it, when it comes to sensing God's call in our lives, His direction, um, I firmly believe in these two things, internal witness and external affirmation. When God is leading or calling you to do something specific or to go somewhere in particular, I believe the Holy Spirit begins to stir within you in new ways, in different ways, in ways that, are, that, that, that begin to catch your attention. You notice things. You're more aware of things. You begin to sense a pull in that direction. Your affections are stirred in new ways. Uh, you might find yourself uh, thinking about this new opportunity, this new possibility all hours of the day and night. You're reading and you're writing and you're talking and imagining all sorts of things that pertain to this new tug from God. You know what I mean? You've been there? That's what's traditionally known as the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. It's God's Spirit speaking to your spirit saying, Hey, hey, I've got something for you over here. However, before setting sail on our own accord into uncharted waters, Scripture also teaches that it's wise to consult with others who know you who know God and whom you can trust to tell you maybe not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. 
Scripture talks about surrounding yourself with many counselors. Proverbs 15.22, for instance, says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's what I mean by external affirmation. It's when we share with others uh, what we sense God doing in our lives, leading us, and we share it specifically for the purpose of hearing their input. If the trusted people in our lives say no, or not so fast, or have you thought about this, then we probably have cause for pause. Maybe we're mishearing God, or, or, uh, or maybe we have selective hearing. You know what I mean? Where we're hearing only what we want to hear. But if our closest friends and family generally agree with what we're describing about what God's doing in your life, there's a great sense of affirmation. In that scenario, not only do you benefit from the internal witness of the Spirit of God, but also from the counsel and collaboration of others. You know, so often our error is that we want everything right away. We want it right now, and therefore we aren't always open to input, right? Because input presents the possibility of slowing us down or steering us in a different direction. But remember, just like their experiences in Asia and Bithynia, sometimes God's no simply means not yet or not now or not in this way. We have good plans sometimes, but God always has other plans, better plans. And so he closes doors. Here's what we learn here from this passage. He closes doors. He presents new opportunities. And he puts others in our lives to affirm the direction we should go. And then I just want to leave you with this thought, final thought. We are, we are in a constant tug of war between the way of self and the way of the Spirit. The self, in this case, meaning our natural fallen selves apart from God, our sin-stained, sin-ravaged selves, the self is always promoting its own agenda. Always. The way of the Spirit, though, is much different. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, seeks to protect and even free us from our sinful selves and promote in our lives what God deems best because with, with divine love and grace, He is transforming us into something more, something infinitely more. That's why navigating life, navigating the road ahead, like right now, where you sit right now as you think about the path ahead of you, navigating that road requires, uh, requires us to be receptive to the Spirit's guidance even when His answer is no. Because when God says no, it's always because there is a better yes available. So, as you leave today, and wherever you find yourself this week, listen for the Spirit's voice. 
receive whatever Jesus has for you in that particular situation. For in so doing, you are leaning upon the God who guides. May God help us all. Amen. We're very thankful for our time today, Lord. Thankful for those closed doors in our lives. Thankful for those new opportunities you bring our way. Thankful for the people in our lives uh, who provide counsel and direction, people with whom we can collaborate and confer. And Not only does that strengthen relationships on a horizontal, human-to-human level, but it also strengthens our relationship with you. We're thankful for that, what grace it is that you've provided for us in this way. So as we think about our future of our lives, even, even the rest of today or this week, we pray that you'd make us to be receptive to the Holy Spirit so that we might, in very practical ways, lean upon you and your guidance always. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.